Hey, we're really glad to have uh, the kids with us today, and uh, uh, hopefully you got one of the little uh, um, kids' sheets to follow along, and everyone else has a sermon page to follow along. You may want to do that. This is the conclusion of our Sermon on the Mount series, sort of. In two weeks, we're going to kind of jump back and hit the text we missed during the snow day, but this kind of serves as kind of the wrap-up, the, the closing paragraphs of this series that we began back in January. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, it's been pretty important, and Jesus really has turned some thoughts and things upside down for me. That's what uh, he tends to do, and this morning, we're going to ask kind of one big question as we look at the text, and the question is this, Lord, what do you want from me today? Would you say that with me? Lord, what do you want from me today? So there was a college group here a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to tell you just a little bit about what they did, because it was, it was pretty amazing. They served here uh, as part of our ministry for um, a three, di- three different days, and they did a couple different things. One of the big things they did, I think we have some pictures, is, oh yeah, there's the team right there. Uh, they worked at the 220 Center, which houses um, Home Improvement Ministries, uh, Bible-based counseling service, and also our food pantry. And it really needed some major uh, loving care because a lot of stuff needed painted. So they stripped stuff. You can see how the siding over there needed a lot of help. And they painted and they gave us about 100 man hours during that time. Actually, probably a little bit more than that. And it was just amazing. And then we had this cookout. We went door to door in the neighborhood inviting people to come to the cookout. And a whole bunch of people did, as you can see. And we just sat down and got to know people and visit with people. We had people come and say, hey, can you pray about this with me? Without us even asking, we had people share some of the real hurts that they had, some family crisis that they were having. And we just got a chance to visit with people and talk with people. We had some people say, hey, we'll see you on Sunday. We had a person say, hey, how can I volunteer at the food pantry? It was just really a cool thing that happened. And it's because a bunch of college students said, Lord, how can I serve you today? Or how can I serve you this week? Or how can I serve you over spring break? It's one of the most important questions we can ask of Lord, how can I serve you? By the way, you can ask that question at home every morning. And you can do stuff like this cookout without it being quite that big. You don't have to buy 200 hot dogs. You could buy 20 hot dogs and you could invite your neighbors over to your house. And, and I think the more we show Christian hospitality and say, hey, would you like to come over? Hey, we're going to be doing a cookout. You want to come over? You want to eat with us? Hey, we're shooting baskets. Send the kids over and we'll shoot some baskets for a little while. I think Christian hospitality is one of the things that we as a church have to do better at doing because Jesus showed us such a beautiful way to live. And I was reminded that our church was able to show hospitality in that way like we often do. And it was a reminder of how God lets me show Christian hospitality uh, at my house all the time and in my neighborhood and maybe at, at work where it may be for you. And so I want to encourage you, find out ways to show hospitality where you can bring people. It is one of the most fun things you can do is to care for people and to get to know people with some stuff that you're already doing. You're already going to eat a meal, right? So buy an extra hot dog and invite your neighbor over, invite someone over. It's just a, an incredible thing to do. So... Um, when I was a kid, one of my favorite types of books to read were the uh, uh, Pick a Path or Choose Your Own Adventure kind of books, and you could read and, and you could choose which direction you would go. Netflix actually has a couple of movies this way that are, are like, I haven't seen one of them yet. I'm hoping they do Titanic. Um, that would be great. 
the one where the captain's like, oh, look out for the iceberg, and it just all ends nice and happy, um, you know, or maybe one where Jack runs to the other end of the boat and it kind of just steadies all out, um, something like that. Uh, I don't know what they've got. I haven't seen it, but in, in, in a lot of ways, the Sermon on the Mount is one great, big, real-life, choose-your-own-adventure, kind of pick a path, because there's all of this compare and contrast. You could do this, or you can do the upside-down way that Jesus invites you into that seems the opposite. Think about some of these things. You can choose the narrow gate or the wide gate. You can choose forgiveness or unforgiveness. You can choose to hate your enemy or to love your enemy. You can choose to worship money or to worship God. You can choose to trust or worry. You can choose to be judgmental or humble. You can choose to shine your light or hide it. You can choose obedience or disobedience. You can choose to do good in order to worship God, or you can choose to do good in other, in, in, so that you can be noticed by others. You can choose to be merciful or unmerciful. All through the Sermon on the Mount, it's this way or that way. It's kind of what we normally do or this upside-down thing that Jesus invites us to. And so when we come to these closing paragraphs, I don't want to read today from Matthew 7, verse 21, beginning there. It's kind of a wrap-up of all of these things where Jesus is saying, hey, you've heard me say all this stuff. Now let's just talk about what you're going to do with it. And these first few words should really shake us to our knees. They're some of the most frightening words in the entire scripture. So I want to begin in, in Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. It's a terrifying passage because we realize everyone here in, that he's talking about hears the word of God. It's like everyone here right now, we're all hearing it. Every time we open our Bibles, we're hearing the word of God. We're, we're reading the word of God. But Jesus says, that is not the determining factor for whether you're in the kingdom or not. The determining factor is, what did you do with it? Did you actually follow me or not? Imagine thinking that you had done your job perfectly and that you had done everything that you thought and everything your boss had told you to do and you had uh, moved the boxes there that he said and you had organized this event and you had done everything that you thought was perfect and then you show up in order to get your raise and your boss says, you're fired. 
you totally messed it all up. You're going to do anything right. You'd be like, oh, what? And it's the same kind of surprise here. The people are surprised. They're like, wait, what? I thought, Jesus, I thought I did all this stuff for you. And Jesus is saying, eh, actually, you heard the stuff, but you did not do it. We, we see this throughout Jesus' teaching. Matthew 25 is a chapter you can read later, but it's all about the people who come on Judgment Day, and some of them say, Jesus, didn't we do all of this stuff for you? Or when did we do this stuff for you, for the least of these? And Jesus says, well, you, you did it for me, and for the least of these, it's the same. And it has to do with, do you actually put what I'm saying into practice? Think about it this way. Think about if Jesus was walking and he was saying, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. And he walked right over here. And the person, you, me, we have this opportunity to follow Jesus. But instead we're like, okay, yeah, Jesus, I went to church, put some money in the offering, read my Bible once last week. Yep, yep, I'm with you, Jesus. Yep, I'm doing, yeah, I went to VBS at one time, remember? And we just kind of meander around. And Jesus is, is like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I'm actually telling you to follow me. And sometimes following me looks a lot more difficult than just doing some religious stuff. Now, all those things are good things to do. They can be part of our faith development. And we prioritize them. But there's a difference between following Jesus and doing some religious stuff showing up on a Sunday morning, does not necessarily mean that you're following Jesus. Opening up your Bible and reading in the morning does not necessarily mean that you're following Jesus. If you're following Jesus, are those things going to be patterns in your life? Absolutely. But Jesus is saying, I'm looking at the fruit you're producing because you can show up to church on Sunday and still refuse to forgive your enemy. And if you're doing that, you're certainly not following me at that point because I'm saying you got to forgive. You, could, you can do some good stuff and you can go volunteer at the food pantry on Wednesday night. Is that a wonderful thing? Yes, I hope a bunch of you will do that. But you could volunteer at the food pantry and refuse to be reconciled to your brother or sister whom you have something against. Let me ask you, which one's easier? I'd much rather give out food then go through the difficult work of reconciliation with someone that's got a beef with me? Ugh, I hate that. But Jesus is saying, if you're following me, you're doing the difficult stuff too. You're doing the upside down stuff. And so we need to be asking, am I really following Jesus? See, the people who are following Jesus are asking a question. They're saying, Lord, what do you want from me today? Because when we ask that question, we give Jesus permission to say, I need you to do this. I need you to share your faith with your neighbor today. I need you to, to be kind to this person that nobody's been kind to in a long time today. I, I need you to pray, spend time in prayer for these people today. I need you to notice this person today. And when we begin asking, Lord, what do you want from me today? Then we begin following Jesus as opposed to just wandering around doing a bunch of stuff, feeling good about ourselves and not following him at all. I have a video I want to show you of a sandcastle. And um, this is like one of those time-lapse super sped up. It's uh, not the prettiest sandcastle in the world. I've seen prettier. But it's big and sturdy for a little while. And then look what happens. 
What, happen, what starts to fade away first? It's like the foundation, right? See that bottom part of it? As it gets smaller and smaller, and then once the foundation goes, it's just a matter of time, right? Before the rest of it is toast. And then once, once the foundation is totally gone, it just is gone, and then, look, nothing. It's like it, it wasn't even there. Anybody ever had that to a sandcastle? I always like to build ugly, big sandcastles and hope they would survive, build like big, intricate moat systems around them. That's what I did when I was a kid, and I got to go to the beach one time. Spent hours, hours and hours doing this as the tide was coming in, and then about three waves into it, my sandcastle was nothing, you know? I'm like, ugh. <laughs> um, but that's what happens with sandcastles. They, they just don't last. Here's the thing. You can spend tons of time building an awesome sandcastle. I'm, I'm not saying that it doesn't take a lot of work to build a sandcastle. I mean, you, you could spend hours and hours and maybe even days and days and days. When Beth and I were in uh, San Diego years ago, we saw a guy that was building these sandcastles that were way bigger than my arms, and they were intricate, and they had all the detail and everything, and it was way away from the tide. And uh, people could come and put their initials in, like Brian loves Beth, take your picture, give him $20. That's how he made his money. Um, but the next day, a storm rolled in, like a violent storm off the coast. And man, that sandcastle was gone. But he had spent hours and hours and hours, if not days and days and days, building that thing. And that's the scary thing is, you can, you can spend a lot of energy in your life building something that won't last. And Jesus is inviting you to build something that will last, to put your life, your beliefs, your actions, your words on stuff that last. And the only thing that really lasts is Jesus, is his words, it's his scripture, it's his work in your life. That lasts forever. So we get to choose. Do we choose Jesus or not? Do we fix our eyes on Jesus we're all the stuff spinning around us. So what's the difference between those houses? We've got questions that we should ask like, whom do you trust? What do you believe? What is your priority? What do you read? To whom do you listen? See, the builder of one house makes sure that they are built on Jesus. And the wise ask, Lord, what do you want from me today? You know, the past couple of weeks have been some tough times for him for Highland Park families. We've had members lose a child, an adult child, and the pain in that. Um, we know that, that Bob Carpenter passed away this last week, was loved by the Highland Park family for, for years and years. Um, and you'll probably hear this story, but Bob was sending texts with Matt to see how he could pray for our students on their mission trip just days before he passed away. And, and we love Bob and praying for Lois now. Uh, we have members, even today, caring for a loved one who's been told by doctors, you don't have long to live. The storms of life will come, right? The, the text actually doesn't say, if you're really wise, the streams never rise and the wind never blows. I, I understand there's some preaching out there that says, if you follow Jesus, there's no storms in life. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually says storms come to both. The sandcastle and the castle built, on, the house built on the rock. The storms come to both. The difference is one of them lasts and one of them does not. 
Now, if your house is on the rock and the storm comes, do you still feel pretty beaten by the storm? Yeah. Do you still weep? Yeah. Do you still feel uh, maybe scared and frightened by all that's around you? Yeah. But have you ever seen somebody who's a Christian when the storms of life come and they may feel frightened and they may feel really sad and they may be grieving and they may be struggling and they may be angry, but somehow there's like this peace within them that steadies them. And you're like, I don't know how they do that. And the answer is they've built their life on the rock of Jesus and their stability even in the midst of the storm. Do you remember when we were watching that video, there's a point where the castle isn't nice and big and lovely. It's like about half of what it was and it's really ugly and it's like falling apart. And some of you probably feel like that's your life right now. It feels beaten and broken and just at any moment it's going to topple over and you're wondering like, what, what do I do now? I don't even know how to, what, what to do. And here's the good news that Jesus says at any point in your life, you can, you can come to him and begin building your life on him, the rock. That Jesus invites you and says, I, I am weeping that your house is crashing and I invite you to come and build your house, to build your life on me. And that I'll forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of the Holy Spirit that will be with you so God will be with you even when the storms of life come you'll have something to hang on to, this rock. All through scripture, uh, God is often described as a rock. And I love one of those, a Psalm 18.2. It says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Would you say that with me? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Let's say that one more time. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. When Susie was spinning circles up here earlier, I think she was looking at this pillar right over here. I, th I was trying to catch her eyes to see where she was looking because I, I know this little trick of hers. Not that I can do it. I just know how she does it. But when, you, when your eyes are on something solid, you know, it's not going to move. And Jesus says, look to me in the midst of the storm. I'm the solid thing you need. So this morning it feels appropriate to ask you, what has God taught you as we've studied the Sermon on the Mount? Because if God hasn't taken something in your life and turned it upside down, I'm wondering if, if maybe we've failed in reading this as he intended. Uh, I just think that this sermon is so full and so thick as we've read it and studied it. We've read every verse in the Sermon on the Mount at this point. And, and God invites us to say, how will my life be different now? Lord, what do you want from me. And so we're going to do something uh, this morning where we just want to give you a little bit of quiet time. And there's a, a space in your sermon page where you can write some notes for some of you journaling and writing down some things is the most helpful thing that you can do. And we want to welcome you to do that. Uh, but we want to just give you some time to, to ask, you know, God, what have you taught me from the Sermon on the Mount? And to specifically ask, Lord, what do you want from me today? And one of the challenges that I have for you is to ask that question every day this week. Uh, I think spending five minutes, that's a challenge that I heard a while back that I've been trying to implement, five minutes of quiet every day saying, Lord, what do you want from me? 
And maybe you need to go on a walk to do that or get to a quiet place. But just say, Lord, what do you want from me? And being quiet and still. I believe God speaks to us today. And I believe he will speak to you in those moments when you submit to him and say, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? What do you want from me? I've been studying this around the mount. What do you want from me? I've got these, these storms in life. What do you want from me? And so uh, we're going to give you some moments here just to be still and to be quiet. Maybe write down some things. If you have kids with you, kids, this is for you too. God, God speaks to you regardless of your age. And, and so I want everyone to do this. And if parents need to help their kids with this, that's fine. But let's all be asking, God, what do you want from me today? What have you taught me in this? And I believe when we ask God that he speaks to us in our hearts through a whisper, through a scripture, maybe through a verse we've memorized, maybe through some teaching we've heard. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you these moments to be quiet and asking God, what do you want from me today?